Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hey, 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 and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. Today, we're going to break down five things I would start doing today if I had a picky eater at home again. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, the whole reason why I started this podcast, started my business, and really kind of leaned into picky eating is because I started to get a picky eater in toddlerhood, and it spiraled what I feel like out of control. Like it was going downhill fast. We were digging deeper holes that I just felt like none of us could crawl out of on our own. And I really felt overwhelmed. I felt that scared, worried feeling that parents tend to get when their little one's picky. Like, why aren't you eating anything? You haven't eaten a vegetable in a while. Are you getting enough protein? Are you going to grow okay? Like we all know how important food is. And I remember feeling that as a mom that I didn't want this to be a battle. Like I don't want mealtimes to be a battle. I want to enjoy mealtimes with you. I want to laugh and have fun and make memories and talk about, you know, important things and funny things and just enjoy each other's company around the table, not fight over how many bites of broccoli you have to eat, right? And so I remember that feeling. And as a dietitian, I felt like I had it all figured out. I remember learning about pick eating in college. I think we might have spent maybe a week on it. Like I was like, oh yeah, on paper, this is so easy and so great and so clear cut. And when I have kids, it's going to be a no brainer. Mm, Wrong. How many things have we said that about um, parenting, right? But it's so true. I truly believed I had it kind of all figured out. I felt like I Uh, must have a leg up because I'm a dietitian. So I know what to do. I love food. I know how to balance a plate. I know how to add variety, all these things. And it turns out I don't know it all. (laughs) Say that about 1000 more things in my life. But I think um, what I ended up doing was going back to the research and starting to implement different strategies, not only that is proven in research, but is based in that research and started using it with my own family and started telling friends and family about it. Uh, Some people, I already had a little following on Instagram, just doing like blogging and a little bit of food blogging and kind of stuff like that. And I started sharing it there and people really resonated with it. And I felt like it was good information to have more than just, you know, one or two sources that are out there that are saying a certain type of picky eating or a certain type of approach works. I think it was just about my belief that every kid is different, every parent is different, every family is different. You get to decide what your values are, what your priorities are, what's important to you and how you want to parent your kid. And so I wanted to give parents essentially tools in their tool belt to use when their kid is going through, you know, some pickiness. And I wanted to make sure that I armed parents with so many different resources and strategies and methods that they could pull out at any time, but also implement them in a way that feels good to both them and their child and their family and what's important to them. So that is why I kind of started doing what I'm doing now. And this kind of all brings me back to how I helped our family climb out of this pit of picky eating and worrying about how much and what and, you know, when my kids are eating, how much and are they getting the right things and are they growing okay and just kind of going down that spiral of worry and stress and and anxiety and how I helped pull us out of that by using these strategies. And then ultimately those strategies and methods became what I teach inside my course. Um, So anyways, all this to say, 
I posted a reel the other day that was all about the things that I would do starting today if my kid was picky, like if my toddler was picky, what I would start doing. And it resonated with so many of you on Instagram that I thought I would break it down a little bit more here, go through those tips, but also talk through um, what steps I would take if I was in my shoes again, which started what? I don't know, six years ago, five years ago, whenever it was, if that was happening again to me today. And obviously I've grown along the way. I've learned a lot along the way. And so kind of coming to that situation in the um, headspace and the knowledge that I have now coming into basically like being plopped into a family that has a pig eater, what would I start doing? And I think that's going to be really helpful. So let's dive in. I want to say a quick thank you to Paleo Valley, who's sponsoring today's podcast. You guys know I love Paleo Valley, and you can get a discount 15% off your entire order by clicking the link in the description box below. Plus, they've got free shipping on all orders over 75. So I recommend hitting that amount and bundling up some good snacks and supplements while you are there. So I want to give you a quick rundown of some of my favorite things to order from Paleo Valley, just in case you'd like a little starter pack. I never leave home without their grass-fed beef sticks. We use those all the times for a quick protein hit, especially for mom and dad, but I've even given these to the kids as well. I'm not a big jerky fan, but theirs are incredible. Not too chewy, not too dry, perfectly spiced. I like the original and the summer sausage. My husband is more of a jalapeno or garlic fan, so definitely check those out. But they have ones that are turkey-based, um, also pasture-raised pork sticks as well. And then their superfood bars are excellent. They actually fill you up. They offer great benefits for your body to tide you over between meals. I've also given these to the kids and they love the texture and flavors as well. So check that out. And then I hands down always get asked which protein powder I use and I use Paleo Valley's. They've got a great 100% grass fed whey protein powder, but I also use their collagen protein powder, the unflavored to mix into things like coffee or smoothies to again, boost that protein. I love Paleo Valley, what they stand for, all their ingredients. They really truly care about what goes into their food and their supplements and care about your nutrition. And that is why I love partnering with them. So again, you can get 15% off by clicking the link in the description box below. All right, now back to the show. All right, first up, I would get that kid in the kitchen with me. Now, this doesn't necessarily meaning mean that they are cooking from scratch, they are doing all of the things with me all of the time, but it means that they are at least, at the very least, in the kitchen with me observing. At the very most, maybe they are doing some stirring, some light kitchen tasks that are age appropriate. Maybe they are turning on the oven or they're stirring something or they're, you know, painting it with oil or something to roast it or watching it come out of the oven or come in. Out of their air fryer or watching it turn into scrambled eggs on the stovetop. So at the very least, they're in the kitchen, like physically with me. Now, this can mean that if your child is still in a high chair, you pull that high chair into the kitchen and, you know, set up some toys and they watch as you're in the kitchen. Uh, this might mean that if they're a little bit older, you get like a toddler friendly um, stool that they can safely stand on so that they're counter height. And if you don't already have one of those, highly, highly recommend. It is more than worth the investment, especially if you have multiple kids, but we use it not only in the kitchen, but outside in our basement when they're helping with chores and tasks outside, inside all of the places. Um, so I have a few linked in my Amazon shop. You can check that out by um, clicking the link in the description box and you can check out some of my favorites there, but highly, highly recommend a ta like a true toddler table. What are they called? Like toddler tower um, that pulls right up to the cabinets and countertops so that they're like safely 
you can leave them alone and they're not going to like topple off the top, but then they can also be in like a safe position to actually help stir and cut and chop and move and do all the things that you need to do in the kitchen um, so that they're like counter height because obviously it would be super uncomfortable to have to like reach way far down or try to reach up. Like, can you imagine a little toddler like trying to cut something on the countertop when their head like barely reaches over the countertop? Like that's not going to be a safe environment for them um, or actually very helpful. Or like I used to just throw my kids up onto the counter, like, you know, sit on top of the counter. But can you imagine like trying to cut a carrot with like a crinkle cutter or something like a kid safe knife, but you're like, twisted and like leaning over like they're not going to get a the best experience it's not going to be super safe they're not going to feel empowered they're going to feel discouraged and frustrated because they're not set up for success so all this to say if you don't already have a toddler tower highly recommend is a great investment in your home you can find them sometimes used on craigslist or um, facebook marketplace you can check out there too or share with a friend um, if you're like in between seasons with a friend um, you could do that and kind of swap back and forth anyways back to the focus, which is bringing them into the kitchen with you. So getting them just started with some very low demand tasks can be really helpful. Um, What I will say is a lot of families will ask me, what if they don't want to come in the kitchen with me? They absolutely don't have to. I would not push anything. What I would do is try to bring some fun into it, like make it a fun, enjoyable experience where you're giving the blueberries a car wash or you're painting vegetables with oil, like bring in some of the things that they like to do, that they're interested in doing, make it making it more fun for them. And that's going to encourage them to come in the kitchen, put on some music, make it a a fun experience, make sure you have plenty of time so you're not rushing them or they're not stressed out about doing it right, doing it perfectly, doing it, you know, all the things. And we don't want to correct them. We really just want to teach them how to do it. And it's okay if it's not perfect, right? And so um, getting them in the kitchen is number one. Okay, number two is to let them play and explore with food. So often I hear from parents, I'll be honest, mostly moms who complain that their husbands don't like that their kids play at the table. They find it disrespectful. They find it rude. Now, this is not always the case, but this is typically what I see in my practice. And so what I want to encourage you and encourage your spouse and your partners and um, your family, maybe even your grandparents or your kids' grandparents rather or whatever, whoever's at the table to encourage and allow food play. Now, I'm not talking like a full-on food fight. I'm not talking about smearing it on the table and never cleaning it up. I'm not talking about feeding it to the dog all the time or, you know, anything like that. But within certain boundaries that you feel good about, letting them play with food, experience play through food, letting them build things, letting them squish things, smush things, put things on forks, take it off the fork, you know, whatever it might be, rolling it between their hands to really experience the food. They are truly needing to learn how this food exists in this world and how it's going to exist in their mouth when they crunch it between their teeth, when they swallow it, when it's in their belly. They need a little bit more experience with this food before they actually eat it. And so play is a great way to do that and speak to their nature as children. So I would let them play and explore food, even encouraging them with questions about, hmm, I wonder if this has seeds in the middle. Should we take a bite and see in the middle of this? Are there seeds in there? Hmm, I wonder if the skin is edible. Does the skin of this kiwi taste good? Yuck, it's furry, you know, really letting them explore what the food is, what it tastes like, what it feels like, what it smells like, what it squishes like, what it's, you know, how juicy is it? How wet is it? How dry is it? How crunchy is it? How loud is it? There's so many different sensory experiences that we could be having with our kids with their food that actually is getting them more comfortable. So I would let them play and explore with food at the table. 
The next thing I would do, number three, is to keep serving foods that I quote unquote know that they won't eat. Now, this is such an easy habit to get into, especially with food prices, the way that they are, worry about food waste, and of course the cost of food, that we don't want to make broccoli, put the effort, the time, the energy, and of course the money into making broccoli just to see it sit on the plate and be ignored right? No one wants that. But at the same time, if we stop serving broccoli because they didn't eat broccoli, then they're never going to eat broccoli, right? Like that makes sense. If they only have access or access to certain foods, when we give them access to that foods, those foods, we have to be the ones to give them access to those foods. I know it sounds like I'm like speaking in circular terms here, but I hope you're following along that they're not just going to go, hey, mommy, can I have broccoli? Like it's been two months since I've seen broccoli. Can you make some broccoli tonight? You're never going to have a two, three, four, five, even seven-year-old turn to you and say, I would really like to try eggplant when they've never seen an eggplant before. They've never actually eaten an eggplant before. Even if you served it to them a week ago, five weeks ago, 10 years ago, five, whatever years ago, they're not going to turn around and ask you for it. So instead, we set them up for success by introducing and offering a variety of foods regularly. So I know the temptation is there to just stop serving food, stop making foods that they're not going to eat, that we think they're not going to eat. But I would really challenge you and push you on this. And in fact, I have a podcast episode that talks more about this kind of mindset shift. But essentially, we don't know if they're going to eat it until we put it on the plate and see what happens. We don't. I know that as parents, we think we know our kids best. We think we can anticipate everything that they're going to do. But I would encourage you, when was the last time your kids surprised you? probably relatively recently, like maybe this morning, they surprised you by having a black permanent marker that you have no idea how they got, right? Like there are so many surprises that our kids give us every day, good, bad, somewhere in between that we can say, okay, maybe they'll surprise me today. Let's put some broccoli down on the plate. So I would keep serving foods even if I quote unquote, no, they won't eat it. This is super important for picky eaters. Number four is to introduce and offer sensory experiences more often. Now, this does not, listen, this is like a pet peeve of mine. (laughs) This is where I feel like I will go down the rabbit hole and tell you that as a new parent, I was so, I was feeling so guilty and so inadequate because I didn't like to set up rice bins and sensory bins and sand bins and kinetic sand and all of the things that I feel like everyone on Instagram is doing with their kids. I did not want to set up these sensory experiences. It felt like a lot of work, a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort. And then it would be all over my house. It would be such a wreck and it was a lot to clean up. And I was so frustrated until I started to realize that sensory experiences are all around us. They are not in bins. They're not housed in bins. Sensory experiences are not in plastic bins with special tools from Amazon that are wooden and perfect and beautiful and all the things, right? Sensory experiences is going outside and touching the grass with your bare feet. Sensory experiences are going to the beach to, for a family day, right? Sensory experiences are going to the zoo and feeding the giraffes. Sensory experiences are, you know, letting them count out money and passing it back and forth between you. Sensory experiences can be helping you pour rice into a container to make for a meal. Sensory experiences are having like peanut butter stuck to the roof of your mouth, right? All these different things are sensory experiences. Taking a shower, getting in and out of the car, playing with different toys. You know, some of them are more silicone-y or more soft. Some of them are more hard or crunchy, if you will, right? All of those things are actually sensory experiences. And I think once I realized that as a parent, that it's not about setting up perfect 
play bins and sensory bins and sensory tables and with the right water beads or whatever they might be. It's about them experiencing the world around them without shoes on, without socks on, without gloves on, without protective high chair coats that hang all over your high chairs so that they don't feel anything except for just put it in their mouth and everything else is wipeable, right? And so really letting them experience all those different sensory things. So, so important when it comes to food, even if we don't think it's related. And the final thing that I would do starting today, if I had a picky eater at home and I wanted to start reversing it, would be to eat with them. I would eat with them as often as I possibly could. And not only would I eat with them, I would try to eat the same foods that I'm serving them. So often as parents, mealtimes are so stressful and so exhausting and so up and down and you feel like a ping pong ball that it's just easier to feed them and then feed yourself later. And I get it. And there's a time and a place for that. And this is something that should be prioritized if you have a picky eater and you want them to stop, eat with them, eat the same foods, enjoy mealtimes together, make it a positive experience And this can be the catalyst that changes everything. All right. I hope this episode helped you. If it did, I feel like there are so many nuggets in this episode. Save it, come back to it, but share it with a friend. Likely you're listening to this podcast because someone shared it with you. Maybe it was me on Instagram. Maybe it was a friend, whoever, probably any podcast in your feed, you're probably listening to because someone recommended it to you. It would mean the world to me if you sent them this episode. You can just link it and send it, say, hey, this was super helpful. I don't know if your kid is picky or if you struggle with this, but this episode was a huge help. So I hope you listened to it. I hope you loved it as much as I did. And of course, if you're in the giving mood and you want to give me a review, that would mean the world to me as well. Just, you know, however many stars you want to give it and a little quick typed up review is everything to podcasters. So I recommend you do that to every podcast that you listen to and like, and I always check it out there as well for any suggestions or ideas or, um, you know, to keep me going. So I love creating this type of content for you. That's free and accessible and quick and very, uh, mom friendly. I like to say so that you can get your quick tips and move on with your day. I'm so glad to spend time with you and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at alyssa at nutritionforlittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.